This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. My whole purpose today is to talk to you about how does God see this? Have you ever heard that before? How does God see this? Have you heard me say that before? How does God see this? What do you see? We see the big picture. We're part of something so much greater than ourselves. What do you see? We see big. Now, I've used big picture twice. One big picture is seeing things as God sees them. How can you imagine as a little human with a big, with a, with a little brain? You know, your brain is actually quite small compared to the rest of the world. How do you know what God sees? And how God sees it. And that's what we want to get to. That's how we want to think. We also talk about big pictures. We don't want you to show your big picture. Some, <laughs> some of you have big pictures. And those big pictures can be kind of up here. They can be down here. And they can cause disruption. <laughs> they can cause distraction. And we want you to be well covered. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> So that's not the big picture we're talking about. We see big. We don't want to see that big. We want to see God's big. So anyway, the, our perspective needs to be in alignment with God's. And so often we are motivated by opinion and by our own perspective, which is teeny in the scope of eternity. I want you to watch this clip. Wow, nice car, huh? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think we need to see that again. <laughs> Show that again. Did, did that come up? confused or how many of you were shocked by what was the reality you see God's reality is different to ours and the way you see things how many of you know that husbands see things different than wives wives see it better but anyway how many of you know that kids see things different to adults now the thing is uh did any of you see the what video um, with, with the teacups? Who saw the teacups? Who did not see the teacups? Is it worth showing again? For the people who didn't see? So if you, if you saw it, shut up. Okay, show it, the teacup. <laughs>
How many of you knew it all along? You see, did you experience cognitive dissonance? You know what cognitive dissonance is? Where you believe one thing and you're presented with another truth, your brain cannot deal with that. And so you either go into denial or shock, or you totally throw out one or both of the issues. So again, the question is, how does God see? And I want you to ask your neighbor, how does God see this? That is how we must think. So we've discussed before, the scripture says, test everything. And so you need to do your own research. Unfortunately, our culture is one of accepting anything. We accept what we hear on TV. If somebody says they dropped a bomb in Timbuktu, you'll believe them. But you don't know that because you weren't there and you didn't see it. So why do you believe them? Do you know how much you've been lied to? We've been lied to and we believe it just because it was shown on TV. And I think it was, um, I think it was Richard Nixon said, um, the American people, American people, and now Zimbabweans won't, they believe, they won't believe anything unless they see it on TV. If you see it on TV and a news anchor tells you, you believe it, but you weren't there. Hitler said, tell the people a lie, tell it long enough and they'll eventually believe it. And it's also more easier to tell people a lie and get them to believe a lie than it is to convince them they've been lied to. It's easier to tell people a lie, they'll believe the lie. It's easier to do that than to tell you you've believed a lie. Because you don't want to believe that you believed a lie. Because if you thought you were believing a lie, you wouldn't believe it in the first place. That means you're deceived. And if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because that's your, you're deceived means you don't know you're deceived. So how do you know if you're deceived? Look at your neighbor. Do you think they're deceived? So Proverbs 25.2 says, and I want you to turn in your real Bibles. And I have seen many people now on the internet talking about real Bibles versus this cell phone. This is a Bible. There's nothing else in it but the Bible. Your cell phone has everything else in it in the entire world. This is holy. Say holy. Holy means separate. Separate. This is a separate. <laughs> this is separate. But when you're looking at, and I look at it, I look at the concordance, but the daily reading and my daily study is in a real Bible. So Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. And do your own research. He delights in concealing things because he wants us to search them out. He wants us to find out for ourselves. So today we're going to search out what's called the feasts of the Lord. I would like to provide a general overview and then help you give, get better understanding. I'm still discovering this. It's a lot to understand. But we have to start somewhere if we want to please the Lord. 
A couple years ago, we began to explore and learn about God's calendar, as Mark, Pastor Mark Bilt says, God's day timer. We looked at returning to his appointed dates that he, God himself, set for us. We've missed so much in our interpretation of things because we have been infiltrated by the Greek and Roman thinking over centuries rather than God's Hebraic Jewish culture. The Greek being the I and me centered rather than us and we. Do you have the charts? So in the Hebrew thinking, Hebrew is reverence versus a Greek thinking is to comprehend. The Hebrew thinking is what to do, but the Greek thinking is, well, why? The knowledge and intimacy is Hebraic, intimacy, but the Greek is knowledge which facts, they want facts. Beauty of holiness instead of the holiness of beauty. The it's obvious around holiness of beauty, and boy, we can see it on your cell phones. You think and perceive that beauty is to put your hip out, jut your chin out, purse your lips, go into your toilet and take a selfie. What? I still don't understand that. If someone could explain it to me, in proper terms, I would like to know why everybody likes to do that. Okay, so Hebrew is corporate and Greek thinking is individual. Hebrew is to serve. Greek is to master. Hebrew is obedience. Greek thinking is self-expression. Well, I want to express myself. I want to I express myself on the drums. <laughs> I want to express myself... In the choir, I want, I want to sing, I want to preach, I want to sing, I want to do this. No, that's Greek. And you'll see about serving yourself. And Hebrew thinking is to obey. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. Hebrew thinking is general. Greek thinking is specialized. Hebrew thinking is God, thy will be done. But the Greek is my will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we're in, infiltrated with that Greek thinking. So a major point of the Hebrew culture is we and community versus Greek. I, me, and my individuality. Express myself. How do I feel? How do I want to be? I, I, I. Me, me, me. And don't you think it's weird? I've said this before. iPhones, iPads, iMac, I... What else? Too much. I, 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 me, me, me. <laughs> so, Genesis 1, verse 14. Can you look with me in Genesis 1? Is that the first book of the Bible, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> it's taking a long time for you to get there. Guys, it's the first page. Okay, <laughs> Genesis 1.14 says, let there, <laughs> let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Let the lights, the moon, the sun to be signs for seasons, for days and years. Signs and seasons. The Hebrew word for, for season is, is moed, which is feast. 
And we think of a feast as sadza. We think of feast as nyama. <laughs> and relish with chicken. But the word moed, which is the word for feast, which is the word for the season and the time, is better translated as divine appointment. God has placed in the Bible, in the spirit, in the heavenlies, in the day-to-day, -day, he has appointed, appointed uh, divine appointments. He's made divine appointments. So they're called moeds. Can everybody say moed? It's a moed. And say feast is a moed. Say that. Because if you say it, you'll remember it more than if I just say it and you sit and look at me. If it's seen, see you, what do you do? You retain only a couple percent of just what you hear, how much of what you see, and more what you do. So that's what I want to do with you so that you remember. Because we're on a journey to un uncover and understand more of our Father God. How many of you want to know what he wants, what he loves, what he likes? You see, what amazes me is husbands, if your wife does not like flowers, why do you get them for her birthday every for the last 50 years? Because that's what you think she should have. But if she, doesn't, if she likes chocolate more, why don't you give her chocolate? Because to you, chocolate isn't cool. You want to give flowers. But that's not what she wants. So God wants something. Cain and Abel. Cain gave God fruit of the ground. God wanted animal sacrifice because of the blood. So he didn't do what God wanted. And then he was jealous because God blessed the one who did give him what he wanted. So we assume too much. We have opinions. How many of you have strong opinions? <laughs> How many of you have strong opinions, though, that line up with the word of God? That is good. So in Leviticus 23.1, now can you find Leviticus? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 23. <laughs> Speak to the children of Israel. 23.1, Leviticus 23.1. Speak to the children of Israel and say unto them, concerning the what? And concerning the what? The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. These are my appointed times. I have an appointed time. How many of you have an appointed time for a birthday? For an anniversary? For a wedding? You have an appointed time. God has his appointed times. He created us to fit into those appointed times. But we do our own thing. The world says, do what thou wilt. The satanic theme is, do what thou wilt. Whatever you feel like doing, do it. 
Hey, you can feel like doing a lot of things, but it isn't righteous. It isn't what God wants. And it isn't what's going to keep you healthy, happy, holy. God has prescribed these divine encounters, and they're operating on a calendar very different from our Gregorian calendar, which is based on the sun. We have a Gregorian calendar. Scientifically, it's very accurate, but not the one God uses. The Islamic calendar is based on the moon. The Gregorian, the Greek one, on the sun. The Islamic on the moon. It's accurate, but not God's calendar. According to Genesis 1, 14 through 16, the biblical calendar was to be predicted on both the sun and the moon. It's critical for understanding the timing of when God will intercept human history. The enemy has infiltrated, desensitized, manipulated, controlled, brainwashed, dumbed down, and distracted us from God's biblical calendar, from God's appointed times, from the feasts. We have been, what I said, infiltrated, desensitized, manipulated, controlled, brainwashed, dumbed down, distracted from God's many of his ways. So I want to ask you, how many of you know, have ever heard of Kim Kardashian? Who has heard of Kim Kardashian? Raise your hand. Hi. Who does not know who Kim Kardashian is? Three people in this whole place. Okay. What about, huh? Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah for the three people? <laughs> okay. How many know Wakanda? Wakanda. Hands high. Wakanda. How many of you don't know Wakanda? I'm so glad some of you don't. I don't. <laughs> I was told. How many of you know Gucci? All right. <laughs> so who said, now, this is a test. Okay, you ready? Who said, I will give you all this domain and its glory. Who said, I'll give you all this domain and its glory? Who did? Huh? Devil. Who said, for nothing will be impossible with God? Who said, nothing shall be impossible with God? Wrong. The angel Gabriel. So you know more about Wakanda and Gucci and Kardashian than you do about the Bible. The angel Gabriel told Mary that with, with, uh, there's nothing impossible with God. I am. Okay. So let me ask you this. How many books are in the New Testament? How many books are in the New Testament? Huh? The, those 
those of you who know shouldn't say. <laughs> 27. And what type of insect did John the Baptist eat in the desert? He didn't eat any insects. I went to Israel, and a locust is not a bug. A locust is a fruit. Whoa, yeah, you see. <laughs> How many of you know Teruah? How many of you know Teruah? How many of you know Kippur? Sukkot. Turn with me to Daniel 7.20. But how many of you know Kardashian? <laughs> Facebook. Twitter. What else? Snapchat. Oh. Daniel 7. Turn with me in your Bible to Daniel 7. That's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Daniel 7.25. <laughs> I'll wait till I hear the pages stop turning. Yeah, your husband knows where Daniel is. Okay, Daniel 7.25. Now listen to this. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. That is the devil, <clears throat> our enemy. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they will be given into his hand for time, times, and half a time. The devil will make alterations in times and law. This is true. This is happening and has happened. The devil has made alterations in time and law. He's made alterations in who you think you are. <clears throat> Maybe do, are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you a boy? Are you a girl? Are you a tree? Are you a dog? What do you feel like? It's an alteration of who you are. There's so much we don't understand. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. Well, what was peculiar about the days of Noah? <clears throat> why did God save Noah? Does anybody know why God saved Noah? Because he was a? He was what? The Bible says he was a righteous man. And his family. But let me tell you. Righteous doesn't mean a goody two-shoes that walks around, hello, how are you? You know, that is what people think of as goody two-shoes. He wasn't goody two-shoes, but here's what happened. In the old days, the Nephilim were the spirits of the, uh, the sons of men, the daughters of men, mated with the sons of God, which were the sons of Satan, actually. So the devil infiltrated the women, and they produce what's called Nephilims. 
Now what happened is there's Nephilims became the giants. And these giants were the perversion of a human. God created us for a reason. He didn't create us to mate with demons. He didn't create us to mate with robots. He didn't create us to be perverted in our, in our, in our humanity or to pervert someone else. So in the days of Noah, that's the perversion there was. The bloodlines were perverted. Noah's bloodline, for some reason, didn't get perverted. He didn't marry into, they didn't marry into the demons. So they were pure. They were righteous. So they were saved. But today, it is as in the days of Noah. People are becoming robots in their brains. They are putting chips in their hands. They are taking all kinds of things and they are perverting. We are perverting God's humanity. They want something better than humans. They want robots, robot, robotoids. So the perversion has happened again to God's special human race. And that's us. So as in the days of Noah. So you may not be a goody two-shoes, but if you are pure in who you are and wholly set apart as a church, and that's why you have a church, the mystery of the church together, the coming together of a group, the assembling, as you'll see. The, a holy convocation is a, a mikra, which means an assembly. Look with me at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 25. That's in the New Testament, Hebrews 10. It refers to people assembling together for a stated purpose on an agreed time. People assembling together on a, for a stated purpose on an agreed time. As we are today, we're assembled together for a purpose. What is our purpose? To learn more about God. Jesus said, come and learn of me. Come and learn of me. What are we learning of him? What is there to learn? There's eternity to learn about God, his word, our father, the Holy Spirit. Come and learn of me. Do you know that today I was so grieved in America what I saw in many places not everywhere, but in many places, the church has become, what can it do for me? What am I going to get out of the church? What are you going to do for me? Am I going to like the word? Am I going to like the worship? Am I going to like the people? What is it going to do for me? Am I going to have fun? Am I going to have free tea? Me, 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 me. But we should be thinking, God, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to touch your people? What can I do to be a blessing? Hey, I feel horrible. Like, did you know last night, uh, I came in from America two nights ago. Last night, I didn't sleep not even a half a minute. I was up the whole night with jet lag. But I didn't go, oh, I'm not coming to church today. I wanted to look at your pretty little faces. And I want to shamu some of you. Because you do Kardashians more than you do Gabriel. 
So you see, we have created a church that is all about, it's seeker friendly, seeker sensitive. But no, it should be one where we're coming to seek God. We want to worship God because that's what should be in us. That's what is in us. In every man, that spirit is there. So if it is provoked, then you're going to win more people to the Lord. But if it's all about, well, I don't want to go to that church. I don't like that church. Uh, does your neighbor moan? Look at the person next to you. Are they a moaner like that? What is this church going to do for me? I don't like the seats. I don't like the color. It's too dark. It's too light. Ah, what does that have to do with anything? No, you just come. You come and you serve God. You seek God. You worship God. That's a choice you make because you have knowledge that that's why you're supposed to come here. For a convocation, a holy convocation, a time, a mikra. So everybody say mikra. A mikra, and that, which means assembly. And so in Hebrews 10.25, it says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the manner of some, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't forsake assembling. You know, one thing that has grieved me a bit is also there's a lot of springing up, and they're not bad, I'm not saying they're bad, online churches. So people join an online church on their cell phone. <laughs> and they watch an online church. That's church. But there's no assembling together. There's no contact. There's no service. There's no ushering. There's no counseling. There's no serving. <laughs> and we have been altered to believe that's what God wants. Do you think that's what God wants? All of us on online churches? Now, I watch online sermons and preachers, but that's not the church I go to and I belong to as, and maybe you can't, maybe you can't find a church somewhere that you really is preaching the word and they're all seeker friendly or they're all convoluted or <laughs> like the one church I told you about before. They all believe, come as you are, and so they all come naked. Do you know the Bible doesn't even say come as you are? So they think that's what God wants. Because they were born naked, that's what he likes. God likes naked. <laughs> I don't know. So it implies that the people would be assembling together for a dress rehearsal to meet on a specific day at a specific time in God's schedule to rehearse what would happen in the very same day in the future. God sees everything all together. He sees yesterday and today as the same. Isaiah 46.10. Look at that scripture with me. Isaiah 46.10. And Isaiah is kind of in the middle. And this is what you must feel how God feels. God says, declaring the end from the beginning. He sees it all. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. Whether you like it or not, whether the entire earth does what he says, he's going to do what he says. 
and the rest of us will just go to hell in a handbasket, maybe. His purpose will be established. Don't you want to do his purpose? Or do you want to do your own? Or well, I think. How many people have you ever heard say, well, if I was God, I wouldn't do this. You aren't even close to being God. Hey, that's a my way Jean-Gu for sure. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done, so there is nothing new under the sun. It's important to understand that the feasts of the Lord are God's calendar of appointed times, not food. They are dress rehearsals. Everybody say dress rehearsal. For the prophetic move of God. In other words, they have past, future, and prophetic meaning. These feasts that you know nothing of. Because when I asked you if you knew Teruah, no one raised their hand. It's a feast, a time, a dress rehearsal, a prophetic statement, an appointed time that God has made. And we don't even know about it. And we say we love God. How many of you want to know more? So understanding that these moeds, moed, what's moed mean? Feast, and what is feast? A divine appointment. So you know how long that took me? That took me like three years to figure out. I don't get, I'm not as smart as Pastor Tom. So he hears it once, he's got it. I've got to see it, I've got to repeat it, I've got to quote it, I've got to do a skit before I understand something. So you guys are smarter than me because you repeated it right away and you didn't even know what I'm talking about. So in understanding these, the Christians must watch. Say watch. That means look, alert, be aware. For decades we've been programmed and conditioned and infiltrated and we've become what we behold. When I was growing up, everyone knew who the Beatles were. Does anybody in here know who the Beatles are? Who knows who the Beatles are? Who doesn't know who the Beatles are? I've seen surveys. How many young people have no idea who the Beatles were, but they were in our face. They were on every song that was on the radio. They were in every department store. Music, music, music. I mean, it was unbelievable. So the Beatles, it was Beatlemania, and everybody was, ah, the Beatles, the Beatles, the Beatles. They took all of our time, all of our energy, all of our effort. The Beatles, the Beatles, the Beatles. Everybody got their hair cut like the Beatles. Everybody dressed like the Beatles. Everybody began to sing like the Beatles, and pretty soon everybody, it's all about a guitar. Everybody wanted to play guitar. Up till then, very few people did. So they were put in our face. They became, we became bonded and attached. And if somebody said anything against the Beatles, don't, no, they wouldn't do that. No, they're not like that. I've seen the same with Ice Cube. We were conditioned for a purpose and our focus was not on God. You see, the devil brought that in to bring our attention away from the things of God and anything pure, holy. And he, 
Okay, um, turn with me to Mark 13. Matthew, Mark <laughs> in the New Testament. We were conditioned for this purpose, but now the distraction is a hundred times worse. The overall agenda is funded and fueled by the enemy to keep us from knowing and understanding God's word. If you would read the Bible as, long, as much and spend time in the word and studying his word, and like Jesus said, know me, learn of me. As much as you study your Instagram and all the selfies other people take, hey, you'd be on a whole nother spiritual level. Amen. That's worth saying amen. Mark 13, verse 33. Let's read this, 33 through 37. So Jesus said, this is Jesus' words, take ye heed, watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Do you know what the, you know, the latest thing kind of is, is, the, is uh, zombies. They're zombifying everybody. It's cool to be a zombie. It's cool to walk around drugged and dull and dumb. But here, take heed, be alert and watch. Open your eyes, sit up in your chair, watch. For the Son of Man, for ye know not when the time is, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Say watch. Again, watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house comes. At, at evening or at midnight or the cock crowing or in the morning lists, coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you all is watch. Watch. Are you aware of what's going on? I'm sending, and I have seen a lot of videos that are going around that are seeking out truth and bringing truth to the fore. Truth about a lot of things that we don't understand or we don't believe are truth. We don't, we, we take for granted. So many of our cartoons are infiltrated from, from the beginning. We watch them as innocent little cartoons. Duh. They're full of sexual uh, implication. I have seen dissected uh, profiles on some of them. It is horrendous what we believe. It is horrendous. And my heart just wants to warn everybody and say, wake up, watch, look, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you see. Don't eat everything they tell you to eat. Don't drink everything they tell you to drink. Drink carrot juice, not Coca-Cola. <laughs> okay, turn to First Peter 4. First Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Sober and watch and pray. Be alert. Be sober. Watch. Pray. What's going on around here? What are they saying? Hey, does it matter? Maybe you're not happy with elections. So what, right now? Our job is the kingdom of God. We are in this world, not of it. We are in this world, not of it. Jesus said, and in fact, in Ephesians, it says, do not 
have anything to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. But if you expose them and say, hey, that's not right, ooh, that's hate speech. No, it's biblical. Take everything with the Word of God. And the more you know about the Word, the more you're watching, the more you're in prayer, the more confident you are. Revelation gives you permission to enter. And when you have revelation, you get revelation from the Word of God. And worship. Worship precedes revelation. And if you want to see things as God sees them, you need to have revelation. Otherwise, you only see with some little cornea and iris and you don't really see anything. You see that car and you think it's real. You see that uh, teacup and you think it's the same size as the other one. Duh! You think you should marry that guy, but he's a jerk. He. Revelations 3, 3 says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and, I shall, and, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come. Watch. Wake up. Open your eyes. What do you see? So I want to show you the Lord's feast. Guys, can come. God gave Moses dates and observances of feasts of the Lord on Mount Sinai. This is to help us understand that God's calendar and the calendar we follow today are not the same. God's calendar and the calendar we follow are not the same. Tell your neighbor that. See if they believe you. God's calendar and the calendar we follow aren't the same. Now the one we follow isn't bad, it isn't wrong, but it isn't God's calendar. So it's going to take time for us to get familiar with certain things because we didn't grow up with this. They're found in Leviticus 23 and, and they're separated in two seasons, but it's going to take time for us to understand. And Pastor John, listen, let, let me tell you one thing. We are not... I am not Jewish. We are not Jewish. We're not trying to turn this into a Jewish church or a, even a Hebrew church. We are just trying to go to the roots of God in the beginning and find out more about what we don't know about him. And that means the first language spoken was Hebraic. So it's up to us to, to search out the matter, the Bible says, to watch and search it's way deeper. You know, God, God is in levels and, um, huh? What? Dimensions. Thank you. I'll buy a coffee after this. Dimension. No, not coffee. I don't do coffee. Carrot juice. Dimension. <laughs> so we see things. We see one linear line. But God sees, it's like a matrix. And we are so ignorant and stupid sometimes. Tell your neighbor you're stupid. No, 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 don't tell. Um, you don't understand, you're not awake. Wake up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. You see, when you grow up with something, it's, it's natural. I have seen the most incredible gentlemen, really polite gentlemen, 
because from little, their mom and dad trained them very, very well to say please and thank you, to pull out a woman's chair when they're at a table, to open a door, you know. And I mean, I've even seen them bullied. What are you doing? Hey, it's what I do. Because they were, it's in them so deep that nothing will phase them. You know what's in, what's in you so deep? Now me, when I came here, I'd never seen that before. I got so mixed up, I was always doing the man one. <laughs> it wasn't natural for me. But it's natural for you, is it not? Everybody do your hands. Whatever you do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, I struggled because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was always doing something wrong because you grew up with this. Well. If we were back in the olden days, we would have grown up with this and it would be easy. We would know what a terua is. We would understand these things, but we don't because it wasn't in, in us. So now we are starting over. Well, we are just adding to what we know and delving deeper. And when Jesus said, learn of me, learn of me. I want to learn of him because he is the word. He is the Word made flesh. Let us learn of Him. Okay, so you guys need to... Okay, so we have the feast chart. It's really important for us to understand. And again, it's taken me years. If you get it today, I'm going to be so mad with you because you understand it immediately, but I don't. Pastor Tom taught this last year, I think. Um, and you want me to teach it again, but the blue, see the blue circle, that's what we, that's our calendar. That's what we're used to. January, February, March, April, May, etc. Um, and the other calendar is God's calendar, is the Hebrew calendar. So there's so many different things. So people say, oh, it's in the month of uh, Tishri. Tish, tish, <laughs> See, I still can't get it. Tishri, uh, Tevet, Shabbat, whatever. And we're going, huh? But it, it, it equates with this, those times. So you want to take a picture and look at it or Google it and make sure you know and get used to it. Because when you hear these words, you're going to want to know what it relates to. But anyway... Um, they're, they're separated into two seasons. What's called the fall feasts. And what is a feast? Appointed time and a spring feast. So, in the spring, this is the spring feast. We had Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. That are the things, have you heard those words before? I think you've heard those words. So that is also called, Passover is called Pesach, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost is called Shavuot. Now that is really hard for me to connect. But if I grew up with that, it'd be really easy if we'd have foundations in us and it would be so comfortable to understand how these things work. And then there are the fall feasts, which is trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And these 
all seven feasts point to Yeshua, all of them. It's fascinating to understand because we are linear in our thinking, but the dimensions of God are so amazing. Some feasts or divine appointments are fulfilled in Yeshua's first coming and others on his second. So in the first and final momentous year of Jesus' earthly ministry, the first four feasts or divine appointments found their consummation in his life. These have already been consummated. He was crucified on Passover. He was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He was raised on the Feast of First Fruits. And he sent the Holy Spirit, another counselor, on Pentecost. So all of these are really important in understanding. God set it out. He came and he fulfilled each one of those. How what do you call that? Coincidental? And it's amazing. And then God wants us to celebrate those feasts with assembling together and doing certain things that are in the Bible for remembrance. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, we're remembering him. Now, then the fall feasts, though, Tomorrow, I believe, you know more than me. You tell me if I'm right. Tomorrow is the Feast of Trumpets. And that's why Pastor Tom wanted me to teach this. Because in the spirit, there's something that's happening. You see, we don't see it with our little eyes because we only see the little car and we think it's a big one. But it's not. So the Feast of Trumpets is known as Yom Teruah. And that's the Teruah none of you knew. Teruah. Teruah means trumpets, shouting, Feast of Trumpets. And Yom Teruah means the day. Yom means day. Say Yom. And Teruah. That's the day of trumpets. So I get confused because I'd hear Pastor Mark Bills talking about the Feast of Trumpets and then over here he'd say Yom Teruah. He was talking about the same thing, but I thought it was different. But once you know what it is, when you know that Asichinai uh, means, what do you see? Uh-huh. You get it. So we are just about to enter the Feast of Trumpets. So tomorrow is a very significant day. It's a day for you to watch and pray. It's a day for you to be aware, awake, alert, watching for your life. The Day of Atonement is known as Yom Kippur. It's in the Hebrew. Is the next fall feast and symbolizes the judgment that will take place at his second coming. The Feast of Tabernacles, known as Sukkot, so it's Feast of Tabernacles and Sukkot, that's where they go into a tent and there's all kinds of things. In the school, we've done a few things with it. When Yeshua will gather in the elect from the four corners of the earth, the feast that the bridegroom will celebrate with his bride. We'll, so what we do is, what, so what this is now, okay, um, some of you choir, just come sit down here. So 
uh, Pastor Tom, in his last message, he said, the church, this is the church, just a few of you, that's fine, just come stand there. The church is in between the fulfilled feasts and those that are coming. This is where we are in, in, in a moment of time. That's where you are. So you need to know what's happened before and what's coming. And so what we do is we celebrate these because they are what's already happened and we celebrate God's victory here. But over here, we're celebrating what's to come. You know, have you ever had a bridal shower? Celebrating that the bride's gonna get married? It's a, it's a appointed time. Well, we're, in, we're supposed to be knowing these appointed times and celebrating them when God's Holy Spirit is moving because it's connected to something far greater than we can see. And what we've done, what the devil has done, Remember I said, he's moved the times. He's altered the times. So what has he done? Jesus was born on, in September. So what did he do? As you heard in our message at Christmas time, he altered it and he pulled Jesus' birth and stuck it on top of the birth of pagan gods, demons. And we celebrate it Ta-da! And the question is, well, it's fun, it's nice, it's a chance to get together. The question isn't us. The question is, how does God see that? He said, have nothing to do with unfruitful deeds of darkness. It is such, it puts us in such a position. Do we please men or do we please God? Ask your neighbor, do you want to please men or God? Hmm. So we are here to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. Starting tomorrow, it starts. And um, so we'll explore that a little bit further. But look at Leviticus 22. 22. Now I know this is this is incredible because you know <clears throat> in Jude the Bible talked about the people just believing uh, lies and wanting their ears tickled. You just want your ears tickled or you want to learn something that applies to your life that connects you more with God and you understand him. How great is our God to think of all this for us. And what do we do? We celebrate pagan holidays. Poor God. Father, forgive us, for we know not what we do. But to whom much is given, much is required. You are given eternal life. Much is required. Hallelujah. And it's so fulfilling to do and be what you were created to do. What were you created to do? Isaiah 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> the people I formed for myself. So what is the biblical prophetic significance of Yom Teruah? Well, in Leviticus, it says, again, 23, verse 24. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of celebration. 
saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a wrist, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Also found in Numbers 29, the Lord said, speak to the sons of Israel. Speak, I'm speaking to you. In the seventh month of the first day, you shall have a wrist and then a reminder by blowing of trumpets. Blowing of trumpet, blowing of shofars, blowing, that's a shofar. You know, you ever see um, Deacon Nick running around with a shofar? You say, what's that for? In fact, do you even know why we have banners and flags? Why are we waving all that material around? Listen, at Synod, it's 11 o'clock, hallelujah. At Synod, seven times a day, God, we praise you. At Synod, I'm going to speak more on this banners. You need to understand, why do we have that? People ask, why do you have flags? Why do you have all that dancing? Why do you have uh, this? Why don't, you, why don't you celebrate Christmas? Blah, blah, blah. You have to be able to give an account for what you believe. And it's a hard road. It's a narrow road. Do you want to walk the narrow road or the wide road that leads to destruction? But when we're in a group, when we're in a unity, when we have community, we have strength. Do you know when we went to the Kenyan church, uh, I played the video of all the ladies cleaning the toilets. They howled because the pastor wanted me to speak on serving, serving and, and, and worship. And so I played that video. Well, they thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. It was so amazing. And what we, we, we resist what we don't understand. But you're not going to understand. The Bible says, how do they know unless someone tells them? How will someone tell them unless someone is sent? And it's not just about Jesus dying and rising again. That is the most important. But it's not just a single thing. It's a, it's a big convocation that he has here that we don't understand. That we need to understand. How many of you want to understand? How many of you say, don't tell me anymore. I don't want to know it. I can see some of you plugging your ears already. That's okay. God will clean your ears. So it's a reminder by blowing the shofar. Anyway, there's lots of things involved in shofars and trumpets and musical instruments. There are frequencies. There are sounds. There are reasons that when you make those kind of sounds, the devil doesn't like it. He runs. There is something spiritually connected. Anyway, I'll get into that later. I can't do that now. So <laughs> I'd like to. Sorry. Um, so yaw means day, a trumpet. But there are layers and layers and layers of understanding on this. And it'll take us a lifetime to understand it all. I mean, when you think about God creating everything and who, here we are and we're to know God, just consider who you are in this place couple thousand people. Does your opinion count? Whose opinion counts? The Father. So it's also referred to as Rosh Hashanah, if you ever heard that, the head of the new year. So this is like starting a new year tomorrow. You have a new start, clean start. A biblical and a civil meaning, which I can't get into, but what is the biblical significance of Yom Teruah and the Feast of Trumpets or the divine appointment? The the, this is the first of the fall feasts connected with Yeshua's return. 
So let's give you another example of dimensions. Seven is the number of God. All sevens are set apart for God. He works in cycles of seven. Sevens are holy to God. The first seven belongs being the seventh day of the Shabbat. Uh, uh, the Sabbath, he set that day apart for himself. Seven, seven, seven. If you don't understand that, it doesn't matter. It does. If you don't understand, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Just because you don't get it, doesn't mean it isn't real. The Feast of Trumpets is the sounding of the shofar under to usher in God as King on the earth. No king or queen ever makes a public appearance before a clarion call or a shofar sound is released. A shofar is a proclamation that royalty is about to come. The king will only return even at the second coming after the trumpet is sounded. It announces he's coming. So we rehearse that he's coming by blowing the shofar because then when we do, do and it does happen, we've already rehearsed and we're ready to go. So it's a dress rehearsal. It's so exciting when you see it as God sees it. A shofar is a proclamation that royalty is coming and the king will only return then. So I want to show you. Pastor Tom took everybody to Israel. They bought a bunch of shofars apparently. So I want you to see what he sent me. This is the blessing on the one, two, three. can share, show them. But they're excited because now they understand it. It's not like, what are they doing out there with that horn? Uh-uh. Understanding is going to prevail in this church. Understanding of God's way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, not thy will be done. Not the Babylonians. Not the style of out there. Not do as everybody does. <laughs> Exactly, you get it. So the Feast of Trumpets ushers God and the most, it's most strategic, especially when the court is in session. And the court is in session. And you've heard about the courts of the Lord. No king in Israel had, leg had legislative rights. Israel knew that only the king in heaven was the judge. The Feast of Trumpets is judgment day. So God allows for repentance in this month. Psalm 47 reveals the function of the teruah in the Jewish custom. It's prayed before blowing the shofar on the Feast of Trumpets. So there's much to do. It answers the accusations of Satan. It's like do, when you blow the shofar, it's like doing this to Satan. Come on, obey is better than sacrifice. <laughs> so, so 
so you say, how does observing this or not observing it affect me? In, in, at Synod, pastors, Pastor Tom, at a Synod, Pastor Tom had a message on this. And he said, strong days are days that are specifically assigned to accomplish a specific purpose. A day to institute planned actions for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. A strategic day is not an ordinary day. It may look ordinary, but it is not in the spiritual eye. There is something supernatural happening tomorrow. It is God's appointed day. So know that. You may not see the results. You may not see anything. But proclaim it. Stand. <laughs> the devil... Uh, and I'll give you something else in a minute. The consequences of letting a strategic day go by without waging a strategic level warfare can be devastating on your life, your marriage, and nation. Hosea 4, 8. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. You reject it because I, I, want, I want to do what I want to do. I want to celebrate this way. I want to celebrate that way. I want to do this thing and that thing. No, you don't want to go out and tell everybody they're of the devil and they're going to hell because they're celebrating Christmas or Easter. No, you do it, but in your heart you know, I'm here for the fellowship of my friends. I'm not here celebrating satanic rituals. And you just carry on. And then as God gives you utterance, you're able to share with other people. But you need to know these things. Huh. You are too precious in God's sight. And we are here for a purpose. If we neglect the day and are not knowledgeable of the day, Psalm 82.5 says, they do not know, nor do they understand, and they walk in darkness. Psalm 82, they do not know, they don't understand, they walk in darkness. Do you want to walk in darkness? You want to, you want to continue to see that little car and think it's a big one? If we neglect these strategic days of the kingdom of dark, the, <clears throat> the kingdom of darkness is given the initiative when God's people should be taking the lead. Job said the earth is given and the hands into the hands of the wicked. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. Transformation begins by capturing strong days in your domain and eventually in your city and nation and then we'll have influence but if you don't think there is anything strategic happening and you think every day is the same you'll miss the purpose of your life and we need to see it God's strategy people say oh well that's not what it means to me it doesn't matter what it means to you it matters what it means to God again ask your neighbor how does God see this So you have to determine, and you determine who takes the gates of the strategic days. If you yield the gates to the enemy, if you yield the gates to the enemy, he'll seize things in your life, and you don't even know it. Because the devil knows that tomorrow is Feast of Trumpets. The devil knows that. The angels know that. The demons know that. A strategic day is so important that somebody has to take the responsibility to position and secure the gates of that day. God is constantly looking for a prophetic people, a voice to bring him through 
bring him through the gates of the strong day. As we stand and do what he's asked us to do and proclaim what he's asked us to proclaim on the day he's asked us to proclaim it, it opens up the heavens, the spiritual world for God to come, do work in your life, do the things you're praying about, change things. It is a strategic day, a planned day, an appointed time. It is a feast. It is a time of convocation. It's a time for you to be separate and holy and reach out to the Lord. So bringing God into a strong day automatically means bringing yourself, your family, your nation into this strong day. And when we do that, it's when the battles are won and destinies of individuals, institutions, and nations are secured. Many are sleeping, slipping through to a hellish eternity because we are not seizing the day. Destinies are destroyed, battles are lost, and the future is jeopardized as the needed spiritual infrastructure is not laid at the strategic gate of time. We either influence the gates of time or they influence us. May you walk in wisdom and understanding. So, I want you to stand with me. And I want you to repeat this after me. But first, I want to hear one, just one blow of the shofar. Just one blow to hear, to hear the sound. Where are my shofars? Come here. Harold, are you, are you gonna blow? Claudia? I just want you to hear one sound and then we're gonna do something. Just one, now. Just, just to hear the sound. Where's Claudia? Yeah, thank you. Just, just one to hear the sound. Because God, God said, do this, blow, 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 blow. Because he made it. There is, a, there is some frequency, supernatural thing that happens when we do that. So when you understand it, you partake of it. Just like when I say, raise your hands. Well, I don't want to raise my hands. No, because you know God has said, lift up holy hands. And when you lift up holy hands, you also display the shin, God's name. You see, understanding has got to come deep understanding to the house of God. Or we cannot withstand the wiles of the wicked one. Who was there with God in the beginning? Duh. Who are we? So now. I want you to repeat after me. We worship you as King Eternal. No, don't go anywhere. The God who is, who was and is to come. I recognize that the seven feasts or moads 
are divine appointments that point to and are fulfilled in Yeshua. I understand that these feasts are separated into two seasons, spring feasts and fall feasts. I understand that the fall feasts are the feasts of trumpets or Yom Teruah, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. And I commit as a believer and a true follower of Yeshua to gain more knowledge and understanding. We decree that the shout of a king is among us. Are you ready? So on the count of three, we're going to shout. One, two, three. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.